From APM, American Public Media, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. Survivors of sexual assault on college campuses are fighting back. For a couple of years now, they've been filing lawsuits against their schools, alleging violation of Title IX, the law that guarantees equal access to education regardless of gender. As they push the Department of Education to enforce the law, more of them are telling their stories in public. Every day, I'm afraid of leaving my room. Even seeing people who remotely look like my rapist is a scary thing for me. That's Emma Sulkowitz, a junior at Columbia University, in a video produced last month by Time.com. In the video, Sulkowitz says she filed a formal complaint with the school, but that Columbia took no action against the man who attacked her. I think another reason that the school didn't find him guilty was that they, they really didn't want to treat it as a serial rape case because we, all three of us reported and then they would say, you're not allowed to mention each other's cases, we're going to treat them separately. I think that if the hearing panelists had known that this was a serial offender, they might have believed us more maybe. This spring, the Obama administration announced it was joining the effort to hold colleges and universities more accountable for sexual assaults on campus. A White House report said 20 percent of female college students have been sexually assaulted, and only 13 percent of women raped on campus report the crime. On the podcast this week, a survivor and activist who filed a complaint against Yale University when she was an undergraduate there in 2011. Now she goes to Yale Law School. Alexandra Brodsky is a co-founder of a group called Know Your Nine, as in Title IX, and she is an editor at Feministing.com, a website by and for young feminists. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So 20% of female college students say they've been sexually assaulted. That's been known for some time, but there's this new figure that only 13% report their attacks. What should we make of that? Why so few? We don't have strong support structures for survivors, and I think, unfortunately, they know this. So uh, we hear so many stories of men and women who have faced violence who turn to the police or turn to, in this context, their universities, uh, and their interest becomes sort of the least important interest in the equation. So uh, the prosecutor is trying to figure out how likely this case is to be successful in trial, and the school is trying to figure out how to protect its reputation and keep its name out of the headlines, and suddenly the survivor has pretty much disappeared. What are the goals of your group that you co-founded, Know Your Nine? So we have two twin aims. The first is to educate students across the country about their rights under Title IX. Um, So many people that we've talked to and uh, many of the people who started the organization just hadn't known about Title IX when we really needed it. And so we want to make sure that across the country, every student knows that they have rights if they're facing violence, if they fear violence, um, and that their school has to respond. At the same time, though, Know Your Nine is also advocating for better federal enforcement of Title IX, because it's only so much help for students to know their rights and to file lawsuits and federal complaints if the Department of Education won't really enforce the law. So uh, we launched our edX Now campaign last July with a um, protest in front of the Department of Education. Uh, We've met many times with officials from the department, from the White House, from the Department of Justice. Um, And while there's still a lot of work to be done, we're definitely seeing some progress. There's this great uh, White House report that's come out, which is a step in the right direction. Uh, The Department of Education has actually started to find schools out of compliance. But we do, again, think that there is 
more work to be done, uh, particularly in the realm of enforcement. Um, we think that Congress needs to provide the Department of Education the ability to levy fines against schools to make a really clear statement that what you're doing isn't okay, that we're, you know, we're going to hold you accountable. This issue of sexual assault on campus, while the scope of it may not have been well understood, I mean, this has been an issue on campuses for years. Some people might be surprised that colleges haven't created or adapted or adopted a, you know, a more effective way of dealing with the situation. Um, in some ways, uh, it's it's important to recognize that this is a decades-long struggle of uh, survivors, and particularly women, pushing their universities to change their policies and their, their treatment of survivors. But it's also really frustrating um, that they should have gotten it right already. And I think that the reason that they haven't, in part, is that universities have really been able to bank on their students' ignorance of their rights. So uh, I've talked to so many survivors who have said, you know, I realized what my university did seemed wrong, that it was seemed unethical, that it seemed unkind, but I had no idea it was illegal. Um, and I, I think until that, that started to change, and I think that's only been over the past couple of years, it was in some ways cheaper and safer for universities to not follow the law, to hush up these stories. Um, than to actually do the right thing. But now that, you know, if you mistreat a survivor on a campus at this point, uh, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to be facing a federal complaint soon because students know that they have this power. And I think that that's really shifted the calculus for schools. Should the issue of sexual assault on campus even be an issue for student uh, disciplinary boards, or should it be just directly handled by police? Because American law understands sexual harassment and sexual violence, um, as based on sex, as discrimination, universities have to do everything that they can to stop it, and that includes uh, addressing survivors' needs and disciplining uh, perpetrators after the fact. And that's not to say this is an alternative for the criminal justice system. They have very different ends, they have very different structures, and a survivor can report to their school and to the police. But one thing that we've heard from so many people is that the school disciplinary process, as flawed as it is right now, is actually in its ideal form much better structured to address some survivors' needs. But, uh, you know, a school can say, you know, your abusive ex-boyfriend is in your English class. We can move him out of that section. Or, you know, you need an accommodation for a paper that you have due tomorrow, but you were just assaulted. We can talk to your professor. A criminal uh, process, though, the victim has much less control. It's ultimately up to the prosecutor how, uh, how the case is going to go down, whether it's even going to be brought at all, and can take a very long time. And again, for some people, that's the right choice. But I think it's so important, as counterintuitive as it might be, to maintain all of these options for survivors on campuses. Can you point to progress? Are there places that are getting it right, that are doing it right now? You know, I think that we see schools starting to try, which is a big change. Um, we're seeing, uh, I think particularly in sort of prevention um, activities, schools are putting in some, you know, bystander training, uh, sort of info sessions, consent education. That's the easy stuff. That's the soft stuff. And it's important. But at the end of the day, I, we think that schools are turning to these kind of methods uh, while still letting rapists remain on campus without really um, holding people accountable, because it's, it's not very disruptive, right? 
if a school uh, kicks out someone who has raped multiple classmates, um, they might have to deal with some angry parents in a way that they don't have to if they just, you know, sort of push a bunch of freshmen into a room to learn about being respectful. President Obama has called this issue of sexual assault on campus an epidemic. Do you think that there is more of it going on now than there was in the past or that there is simply much greater understanding and and sort of awareness? Um, No, I I definitely think the latter. Um, We're definitely hearing more reports of violence, but I think that that's because people feel comfortable coming forward. I think that that's because in some ways people have hope that things could get better. And that's why I actually don't love this language of epidemic. You know, I believe that, uh, you know, we're really appreciative of President Obama's support um, and definitely agree with the sentiment that this is far too widespread. But in some ways, an epidemic suggests that this is its own process that's kind of uh, cycling out of control on uh, on its own. There's no human action here. But we absolutely have the power as uh, as a community and as individuals to stop violence. Uh, and we can need to sort of take ownership of that process. Alexandra Brodsky, thank you so much. Thank you. Alexandra Brodsky is a law student at Yale University and co-founder of Know Your Nine, as in Title Nine. She also blogs at feministing.com. You can find more podcasts about campus civil rights and other issues in higher education and K-12 at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage, AmericanRadioWorks.org. We're on Twitter at AMRadioWorks and Facebook at American.RadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from the Spencer Foundation, Lumina Foundation, and the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.